Hi, I'm James Schofield, the creator of this podcast, Behind the Bottom Line. Business isn't really about numbers, it's about people. Behind the Bottom Line is a collection of the funny, sad, and frankly weird events that I've experienced in business, and which I turned into stories for various magazines. In each episode, I tell you a little bit about the real-life background that inspired me, and then I read you the story itself. So let's find out about today's story, A Murder of Crows. A Murder of Crows was written in 2013 and appeared in in Business Spotlight that year. And the scene is set in a police station and Detective Inspector Harris is doing an interview with Dr. Gail Jameson about the death of um, Professor Kenneth Lang. And Jameson and Lang both worked at Fair Oaks Research Laboratories and Lang's body has been found in the car park with the his eyes uh, gouged out and his tongue ripped out. So obviously um, a pretty suspicious death. And Detective Harris is interviewing um, Dr. Jameson to find out exactly how it was that he died. Um, the research laboratories was doing research for the Ministry of Defence uh, and was investigating how birds, in particular crows, could be used to support the armed forces. And uh, Dr. Jameson was essentially uh, an animal behaviourist, so a trainer, um, and she tells the story of what happened and how it was that Professor Lang wound up dead in the car park. Um, the protagonists in the in the or the main protagonist in the story is not actually Dr. Jameson herself. It's one of the crows that she trained, a crow called Jacko, who's super intelligent. Uh, she describes him as being the Mozart of the crow world. And it seems that Professor Jameson has been using the crows for wicked ends. And Dr. Jameson found out about this, released the crows. And when Lang discovers that she's released them, he's furious. I don't want to tell you two more. You need to listen to the story to find out what happens. There are several things in the story which are um, come from my background. First of all, the name of the research laboratories, Fair Oaks Research Laboratories. This was the name of a small airfield near where uh, I used to live in Surrey. And my father, who was uh, uh, an amateur pilot, used to go to Fair Oaks in order to do a little bit of flying in his spare time. And sometimes he'd take me along and take me up as well. So that was um, the first thing. Second thing, the the date of when this incident took place, I realized when I uh, reread it recently, I put it on my birthday. Um, for some reason, um, I always find it difficult to decide on dates or names of people in my stories, and I quite often choose really obvious things. So uh, I gave this story, my uh, story with this particular death, uh, my birthday. Um, crows as a topic 
obviously um, any story which uses birds of any kind is going to it will have been influenced in some way by uh, Alfred Hitchcock's film The Birds um, and definitely that was uh, a, an influence on my uh, on my story here um, but I've also be, always been very interested in the intelligence of birds um, in particular uh, crows or all, all the animals in the crow family so crows rooks ravens magpies jays um, and they are really astonishingly clever um, in some respects uh, even cleverer than chimpanzees so for example they are able to to solve problems and can remember using things um, in order to use a particular tool in order to get uh, access to uh, particular kinds of food um, and the other interesting thing about crows is that they've they're population has expanded um, alongside us so they're very good at interacting with humans they they whereas uh, lots of animals are unable to deal with humans encroaching on their space crows and of course rats as well um, thrive on close access to human beings because we provide them with lots of food um, the other very interesting thing about crows um, is that they have an astonishing memory for people's faces so they know that they have to, uh, if they're interacting with people um that different they have to behave differently according to the person that they're that they're dealing with um and i think this is very interesting this capacity to recognize whether uh somebody is means well towards them or, or not and i think that's something which uh, definitely influenced this story also interesting, or a topic which interests me, is the morality of using animals for human ends, particularly for military ends. I mean, this is uh, obviously a topic. This is this has been going on for hundreds and hundreds of years. If you think of um, uh, homing pigeons being used in order to carry messages, and in the story, the the use of the crows. Uh, is initially so uh, Dr. Jameson um, doesn't uh, understand that they are going to be used for for evil uh, ends and is uh, very shocked when she discovers this but this is something which I think is uh, is an is yeah is something that is very morally dubious morally suspect um, in the same way that using animals in research laboratories is uh, is morally suspect. Having said that, we can definitely see where they can be used for positive things. So, for example, in uh, areas where there are lots of landmines, it's turned out that one of the best ways of dealing with landmines, one of the most effective ways of dealing with landmines, is to train a particular kind of rat, the giant pouched African rat. Um, and they're very, very good at sniffing out TNT which is used in landmines but also they're light enough not to actually trigger them so you can teach them to sniff out the landmines uh, and they'll do that for you um, and you can give them a reward and that seems to me they're being used for so of course perhaps a giant pouch rat would rather be running around the bush uh, and not trundling up and down strips of land looking for landmines but nevertheless uh, that seems to me something 
that one could say, yes, okay, that seems to be uh, a reasonable thing to get them to do. But other instances, so for example, the way uh, I think the US and Russia trained dolphins to to attach mines to ships seems a lot more sinister, especially because apparently the dolphin got blown up at the same time. So that was a topic that interested me, the way um, humans use animals for immoral ends. Um, and in this story, uh, what is quite satisfying is that the animals have the last word, so to speak. But another enormous influence on the story was actually where I work, because um, the area where I work is a large campus area. And particularly in winter, um, there's a large flocks of crows which gather there. And if you leave the offices around about seven o'clock, eight o'clock at night when it's quite dark and not so many people are about, they fly around and perch in the trees and shout at each other. Uh, and it's a little bit scary uh, if you walk back across the campus around about eight o'clock, eight thirty, and these crows uh, occasionally taking to the to the to the air flying around and settling and shrieking at each other or you as you go past and it's a little bit sinister and one time a friend of mine was walking with me uh, and he said that his theory was that it was the souls of unhappy managers who'd died and they were unable to leave the company and they were forced to return to the earth and circle the campus in the shape of crows trying to warn us about how we should uh, behave ourselves and not lead the kind of lives that they had led um, and uh, but we of course we couldn't understand them because they were crows so that's a little bit about the background uh, of the story and I hope that you enjoy a murder of crows so that's enough introduction let's now turn to the story A murder of crows. Detective Inspector Harris pressed the start button on the digital voice recorder. D.I. Harris, 10.45am, 19th of October, 2013. Interview with Dr. Gail Jameson regarding suspicious death of Professor Kenneth Lang, case number 42-891-E. Harris paused. Suspicious was somewhat of an understatement. When he had arrived at the Ferrex Research Laboratories, Lang's body was lying on the ground in front of the building, his face dark with blood, the eyes and tongue ripped out. This had not been an accident. Harris looked across the table at Dr. Jameson. She was wearing an oversized shirt, arms close to her chest, as if hoping they would provide protection. Her hands were tightly holding a cup of coffee. Her face was pale with dark rings under her eyes. Harris noticed a bruise on her left cheek. How had she got that? Dr. Jameson, can you tell me what you know about the death of Professor Lang? She put down her coffee and placed her hands on the table, but continued moving her fingers nervously as she spoke. I, I need to start at the beginning if you're, if you're going to understand this. Otherwise, I, I don't think you'll believe me, she said. Well, take your time. 
I joined Ferrox about three years ago, she began. I just finished my dissertation on animal behaviour when I was introduced to Professor Lang. He asked if I wanted to continue my work and research the intelligence of crows. He wanted to see if I could teach them things. Crows? asked Harris. Yes, you, you shouldn't be surprised. Crows are about as intelligent as chimpanzees and they have several advantages over chimps. They're very mobile, uh, they, they can eat almost anything uh, and they like living near us. As our population has exploded, so is theirs. Rats too, added Harris. Yes, another intelligent animal. Anyway, uh, the, the lab had a, had a contract with the Ministry of Defence to see if crows could carry out certain tasks for the military. Detection of landmines, aerial reconnaissance with tiny cameras, things like that. They'd be a lot cheaper and more useful than drones. What was Professor Lang's role at the lab? He is was in charge of all the research that goes on here. There are three other teams working on different projects for various clients, and he's good at getting contracts. He persuaded the Ministry to finance this research. He developed the tests that I carried out, then analysed my data and looked for patterns in the bird's behaviour that could be useful. Sounds interesting. Oh yes, she smiled for the first time. Well, one day I got a new young crow that had been found with a broken wing. I, I looked after him at home until he could stay at the lab and I called him I called him Jacko. It was unprofessional of me, I know, you should never get too close to your research animals. But with Jacko, it was impossible not to. Why? Jacko's different. Just as we have our Mozarts or our Einsteins, Jacko is much more intelligent than the other birds. He, he, he could solve problems faster than we could create them. And what was so extraordinary was that he could teach the other crows what he had learnt. That must have been useful. Very. We could train them much faster. Then about three months ago, Professor Lang asked me to teach the birds something new. She stopped suddenly and looked around the interview room. Sorry, could, could somebody give me a cigarette? Is that allowed in here? Harrison pulled out a packet and pushed it across the table to Dr. Jameson. She took one, and Harris held up the flame of his lighter. The tip of the cigarette shook, and it was a moment before it lit properly. Haven't spoke for quite a while, but now seems a good time. You said Professor Lang wanted the crows to do something new, Harris reminded her. She nodded. Yes, he wanted me to train them to carry small rucksacks on their backs. Crows are pretty strong, and they can carry up to about 250 grams quite easily. With Jacko's help, it worked. What were they supposed to carry? Medicines, small bits of equipment, things that could be useful on a battlefield. That's what, that's what Lang said. Yesterday morning, he took five birds, including Jacko, to Aldershot, where the ministry has a test area. He said he was going to demonstrate to the clients what the crows could do. I was just getting ready to go home when he returned and I, I, I got a call from one of my assistants saying I should come to the lab immediately. He said that Professor Lang had brought back only four birds and that they and the remaining birds were in a, were in a terrible state. I went straight over and found them all screaming in their cages. My first feeling was relief when I saw Jacko was there, but he just, just hissed at me in rage. Dr. Jameson took another cigarette and lit it from the end of her first one. 
I knew something awful must have happened. The security guard told me that Professor Lang was still in his office, so I went up and demanded an explanation. Demonstration was a success, he said. Your research budget is going to be doubled. You should be happy. Then he showed me the video he'd made. Thin line of tears made its way over the ugly bruise on her cheek. It, it was terrible. The poor animal flew out of its cage across a field and, and landed on the target that was marked with a laser pointer, just as we taught it. Her tears fell faster. She used the sleeve of her shirt to wipe them away. And then it exploded. There was nothing left of the target except dust and feathers. You could hear the customers applauding and laughing in the background. It was, it was sick, sick. I ran out of his office and went back to the laboratory. I, I, I knew what I had to do. The birds had calmed down in the meantime. I went to Jacko and I, I tried to explain what had happened. He put his head to one side and, and seemed to be listening to every word. I swear he understood. I unlocked all the cages and then went and opened all the windows. And, and one by one, the crows flew away, Jacko last of all. What happened next? I went out to the car park where Professor Lang was about to get into his car. I told him what I had done and he went, he went berserk. We started shouting at each other and then he, then he hit me hard. She put her hand to her cheek. He knocked me down and he, he stood over me, threatening to hit me with his briefcase. I screamed and I put my arm over my face. And and then I heard Jacko's call, followed by a loud whooshing noise. And when I looked up again, Lang was running back towards the building because the lab crows were flying at him from every side. At some point, he lost his balance and fell and they were they were on him immediately, tearing strips of flesh from his face, after a while, the scream stopped, and he just made a terrible gurgling noise. I got to him about the same time as the security guards, but it was it was too late. Up above, the birds circled for a while, watching us. There was a final call. It was it was Jacko again, and, and they flew off. I have no idea where. So you're saying Professor Lang was killed by a flock of crows. Is that right? Harris asked. Yes, Inspector, she said. But when talking about a group of crows, instead of the word flock, you can call it a, a, a murder. Professor Lang was killed by a murder of crows. Isn't that ironic? I hope you enjoyed this episode of Behind the Bottom Line. Why don't you subscribe to make sure you never miss an episode? And please tell your friends and write a review so that other people can find out about Behind the Bottom Line. Take care until next time. Bye-bye.